What is up? Welcome to Parkview. It's so great to be here with you guys. I want to welcome the Orland Park and New Linux and Homer Glen and everyone um, watching online. My name is Jody Hickerson and I am from Mission Church in Ventura, California. And I am just man, so honored anytime I get to be here um, with you guys. And I'm so thankful uh, for this church for so many reasons. Um, but one being the way that you have supported our church plant in Ventura, California over the last um, 11 years in so, so many ways. So thank you so much for being a kingdom-minded church. We are super, super grateful. And I love that I get to be here today. We're in week four of this series leading up to Easter called Unbelievable, right? And through this series, what we've been learning together is that because of Jesus and through Jesus, that the unbelievable love of God And like the unbelievable grace of God, the unbelievable mercy of God and healing and faithfulness of God is real. We see it. And it's believable. I mean, have you ever wondered what it would be like to meet God in person? Like if he showed up today, like what would he be like? And who would his friends be? And and what kind of stuff would he do? And and what kind of places would he go? And what would he say? What would he think of you? Over 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem, God did show up. And not just for a visit. He packed his toothbrush, you know, his overnight bag. I mean, he showed up for 33 years. He came down. He walked this planet. He wrapped himself in our flesh, in our humanity. God did that in the person of his son, Jesus. And this is just so amazing to me because it shows that we have a God that wants us to know him at such a personal level that he wasn't content to just like, you know, send us some information. Like send us some brochures or some flyers. Like he sent himself. Instead of hoping that we might just, you know, look up and and figure it all out, he came down and decided to live among us because he wants us to know him and he wants us to believe him. Jesus camped out. He, He dwelt among us, as scripture says, And he shows us what God is like. Man, if you want to know what God would say, Jesus says, listen to me. You want to know what God would do? Jesus says, watch me. You want to know the truth about God's character? Like, who would God hang out with? Where would God go? Just take a look at Jesus. Like, notice the way he reaches out to the lonely The way that he fights for the underdog, the way that he welcomes the outcast. He loves little kids. He hates injustice. He values women. Look for the way that he he searches for the lost and embraces the forgotten and crosses racial divides and comforts the sick and grieving and gives wisdom and dispenses grace. Like you want to know God, just look at Jesus. And this series is all about Jesus. And one of the ways that we've been doing this in this series is looking at different clips from his life that are portrayed in this little mini-series called The Chosen. And man, The Chosen just does a beautiful job of giving us a glimpse into Jesus' life, the life of his followers, like who he interacted with. And today we're going to spend some time discovering more about who he really is by seeing some snippets of his relationship and different encounters he has with a woman called Mary Magdalene. We're first introduced to this Mary in in Luke chapter 8. 
where it says this, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him and along, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So Luke lets us know that as Jesus is traveling around and, and he's healing people and he's sharing the good news about the kingdom of God, that, that his 12 disciples are with him, but also some women are traveling with him. And not only traveling with him, but supporting them financially. Like they're funding the mission. And among them is a woman named Mary Magdalene, a Jewish woman from the fishing town of Magdala, from whom Luke says Jesus had cast out seven demons. So Luke just kind of throws that out, you know, it's like a descriptive sentence, like, yeah, that Mary, that one, the one that Jesus cast out seven demons. But this was way more than just like a descriptive sentence to Mary and what she had lived through. Because Mary had suffered and she had been tortured mentally and physically in her life, not to mention the shame that just comes along with the physical or psychological illness as a cause of, of, from demon possession. Now, just so you know, demon possession, that's like another message for another day. We're just going to let Tim or Todd, you know, do that one. But we do have an enemy. We do have an enemy to our souls who wants us to suffer physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I mean, his agenda from the beginning is to steal and kill and destroy. And so we can know, even though we don't know, you know all the ins and outs, we can't get into the specifics of what demon possession is or isn't. What we can know is that Mary suffered. Man, she suffered emotional trauma. She lived in shame because of it. She was an outcast. She was tormented. She was battered. She was bruised. She was in agony. And some scholars believe that she lived a sinful life as a result. And the Chosen series gives us a little backstory on Mary. It shows us one of her attempts to get well with a religious man named Nicodemus, and it shows us her first encounter with Jesus. It starts with her as a little girl. Check this out. What do we do when we are scared? We say the words. Adonai's words. From the prophet. Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah writes. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Come now. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear your pretty voice. Come. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. That's right. You know what they say. A mug of prevention? There is no preventing this, Saul. There is no cure. Come on, Lily. It's getting worse. Yesterday they brought in a holy man. Someone important. Maybe even from Jerusalem. I only remember bits and pieces and flashes. The Pharisee? He's the leader of the Pharisees, and he ran away in terror. So One religious big shot just as full of it as the next. So I am in hell. Fear, fear not, for I have redeemed 
प्रीति says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. love seeing that interaction with Jesus in a pub with a broken, hopeless Mary. Because we have the same Jesus. And you need to know today that he will meet you where you are. That's our Jesus. Bruised, battered, hopeless, he will show up. We see that we have a God who moves towards us. He pursues us. He shows up right in the middle of our mess. Man, that's who he is. And I am so grateful for that. We see it all throughout the life of Jesus. He just kept showing up and kept meeting people right where they were, right in the mess of it. And we have the same Jesus. And I am so grateful that he meets me in the mess of my life, not where I pretend to be, but right where I am. I'm so grateful to know that I don't have to get myself cleaned up first. And I don't have to get things figured out first. And I don't have to become, you know, a better version of myself first for God to meet with me. No, the opposite is true. And we see it in Jesus. The place that he most desires to meet with us is in our brokenness. He came for it. He lives for it. 
to meet us in those messy places, in those hurt places, in those overwhelmed places, in those shameful places, because he is a God who longs to be with us. And man, pull us in and embrace us and comfort us and restore us. And maybe you don't know that about God. Maybe you thought if you came to him with your stuff, man, he would be angry with you. Or he would be disgusted by you. Or he'd be frustrated that like, you're in that place again. Like he would condemn you. But listen, this is not the God that Jesus shows us. You need to know we have a Savior who is not afraid to show up right in the middle of your mess. He's not. He's bold enough to deal with your dysfunction. He's fearless enough to walk with you through an addiction. He's heroic enough to lift you up out of whatever kind of abuse you may have known. That's our Jesus. That's his track record. That's his reputation. We see it all throughout his life. You see, Jesus, he met people like me. Took notice of a blind man and made him see. Saw a locked up kid and and set him free. Told little Zacchaeus to get out of the tree. He felt it when a desperate woman touched his cloak. He kneeled beside a dead girl and up she woke. He offered hope to the forgotten with just the words he spoke. He touched a man with leprosy that others would mock Touched the mouth of the mute and at once they could talk. Forgave a woman at a well who was the laughing stock. Came to be a shepherd to a wandering flock in the company of sinners. That's where he would eat. Defended an adulterer. Made her accusers retreat. Made followers out of men who were crooked cheats. Let the tears of a prostitute anoint his feet. And suddenly, dramatically, miraculously, they were in in his story, in his truth, in his grace, in his purpose, pulled into his embrace. And man, I have wanted to be in. And since the day I met with him, he took all that I had been, all my fear, my shame, my sin, and changed my life by letting me in. By the grace of God, I get in. And by the grace of God, you can get in too. No one is too far gone. No one is exempt. He will meet you. Right where you are, it's who he is. Everything changed for Mary too when she encountered Jesus. When he met her right in her brokenness and he freed her. In this next scene, we we see her living a new life. She's actually like out in the market and she's preparing to host a religious feast. and, And she runs into that religious leader again, Nicodemus, who cannot believe that it's really her. Check this out. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense? I don't remember. It's all a blur. Like, 
can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. That makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so? this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I... I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between... was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have to be home to prepare for Shabbat, as I'm sure you do. So mean that you're even hosting Shabbat dinner. It will be nothing like yours, I'm sure of that. But I'm going to try. Shabbat Shalom, Nicodemus. Shabbat Shalom, Mary. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And I know many of us have that same testimony. That the person of Jesus, that following Jesus, that knowing Jesus has completely changed our lives. But whether you have experienced that or not yet, the truth is about Jesus that he can redeem any life. That's the word that Mary uses, redeemed. I, I looked up that word in the English dictionary because it can sometimes be such a churchy word, you know, unless we're like, you know, redeeming a coupon or something. We don't really use the word redeemed. Just look at the first four definitions that popped up. To make something acceptable. To restore reputation to atone for human sin, to buy something back. This is redemption. And Jesus can redeem any life. He went to the cross to atone for human sin, to purchase our freedom, to buy back our wasted years, to restore our reputations and make us acceptable before God. Jesus did that. He does that. 
I love Psalm 130 verse 7 that says, Oh Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is, get this, full redemption. It always makes me think of Dumb and Dumber. You know, when Harry says to Lloyd after he traded the shag and wagon, you know, just when I think you couldn't be any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. And we can never totally redeem ourselves. And but Jesus can. I love that it says full redemption. This isn't a partial thing. This isn't just to make you feel better or a little less guilty or to make a cleaned up version of you. This is full redemption. Jesus is in the business of redeeming us. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can recycle our pain and our failure and use them. He, he buys them back for his good purposes. And if we let him, he can transform our test into a testimony, our mess into a message, our misery into our ministry. Man, we see it all over scripture. Time and time again, God chooses and he redeems the most unlikely people and stories to bring about the most amazing good. Noah got drunk and Abraham was too old and Jacob was a liar and Joseph was abused and abandoned and Moses had a speech impediment and he also murdered someone. Gideon was afraid and Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and then he murdered someone to cover it up. Jonah ran from God. John the Baptist was just weird and Martha worried too much and Paul persecuted the church and Peter denied knowing Jesus and Lazarus was dead and still God looked at every one of them and said you you I'm calling you by name I'm going to use your life I have plans for you I can redeem any life you know a little side note watching that clip for those of us who are followers of Jesus Nicodemus showed up and he thought he had done it He's like, how long after I showed up did you feel the change? And she's like, it, it wasn't you. And I think it's so important for us to know, for following Jesus, that we can't change anyone's life. He can. And our main job is simply to point people to Jesus. I mean, over the last 11 years... Since we've planted Mission Church, man, I've, I've stood in amazement of God watching people's lives change and transform. I mean, Hell's Angel bikers and, and homeless friends and prostitutes and porn distributors and people counting days clean. And do you know what they all have in common? They all encountered Jesus. Sometimes we can put too much emphasis on us and we carry too much of the weight or, or we take too much of the credit. Listen, I have yet to redeem any life. I have yet to transform any life. I believe I can show up. I believe I can help. I believe God can use me. I believe my love can make a difference. But our primary role as a follower of Jesus is to point people to him because he is the one who can redeem any life. He is the one that makes all the difference. For others of you, when you think about like your life being redeemed, you just think there's no way. Not full redemption, maybe a little better, but not with what you've done. Not with who you are. And I've been there. Mary's been there. Hear the truth today that Jesus can redeem any life. Any life. Mary's life gets redeemed and she starts following Jesus. Apparently, she's funding the mission of Jesus. She's part of that. But the Chosen series portrays a moment later 
where it seems that Mary has fallen away again. She walked away again, went back to some old behaviors again, which I think anyone, anyone can relate to that. Anyone relate to the times when, when we, we, we just can't believe because we've, we've fallen again, we've relapsed again, we've messed up again, and we, we need to come back to God, but it's difficult. Check out this interaction. I don't know what to say. I don't require much. I'm... I'm so ashamed. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day, is it? <laughs> I owe you everything. But... I just don't think I can do it. Do what? Live up to it. Repay you. How could I leave? How could I go back to the place I was? And I didn't even... I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. <sighs> I just can't live up to it. Well, that's true. <laughs> but you don't have to. I just want your heart. A father just wants your heart. Give us that, which you already have. And the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. <laughs> I can't. You can. Look at me. felt like giving up after you screwed up and Mary's words there where she says I just can't live up to it I just can't do it and I've been there but what we see in Jesus in, in his response to her in, in her moment of regret shame disappointment sorrow repentance what we see in Jesus is that we have a God we have a Savior, and He is gentle and humble with us. It's actually the invitation from Jesus in His own words in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice Jesus didn't say, come to me all who are winning and thriving. You know, come to me all who are living their best life now. 
Come to me if you're perfect and polished. Come to me if you're just, you know, killing the game. No, the invitation of our Savior says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I want you to come to me, and I will give you rest. And on the flip side, I read one author that points out that in this verse, like where the Son of God, he pulls back the veil and allows us to peer way down into the core of who he really is, what his heart is like. We're not told that he's stringent and demanding in heart. We're not told that he's even exalted and dignified in heart. We're not told that he's joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus define the terms, he claims that he is humble and gentle in heart. That's who he is. That's how he responds to you. In that verse that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus was talking about yoke, he was referring to like this big wooden yoke that is put over um, oxen, right, to get them to plow. It's this heavy thing that wraps around their neck and, and it weighs them down and it's on their shoulders. And there's usually somebody there, you know, cracking the whip with the plow to get them to keep going. And this is what the religious leaders of the day would do. All these rules, all these regulations, all these rituals, they were referred to as a yoke and they were heavy and they were always like whipping people into shape. And Jesus says, listen, I am nothing like that. God is nothing like that. God is not putting some heavy weight on your shoulders and then whipping you into shape, making you, you know, keep striving, keep plowing, keep trying, even though you're barely making it. No, his invitation is, no, come to me. Let's get rid of that thing. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can find a different way here. You can find grace here. You can find comfort here. You can find rest for your soul. In fact, Jesus talks about himself so differently than, you know, like a a heavy hand that's pounding the whip, driving the oxen. He talks about himself as a shepherd. And we are his sheep. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's who he is. And although it's, it's good news to not be compared with, you know, oxen and a heavy yoke and God punishing us to, you know, work for him, being compared to sheep is not all that great either. Because sheep aren't, aren't all that smart. And sheep get themselves into trouble. And sheep are vulnerable. It's why sheep need a good shepherd. And we have one. I don't know if you've seen this video uh, circulating over the last several months, but I loved it. If you've seen it, it's worth watching again. It's of this young boy, and he's rescuing one of his sheep. Check this out. (laughs) Isn't that how it is sometimes, right? God pulls us out of the ditch and then we run and we jump right back in. (laughs) And listen, although God doesn't want that for us, right? He wants us to know him as a good shepherd, to know his voice, to walk beside him, to live in this new way. But he also doesn't approach us like stupid sheep, you know? I can't believe you did that again. Can't believe you fell for that again. Can't believe you jumped back into that. Good luck because you know what? I am done. 
No, what we see in Jesus is that we have a God who laid down his life to get us out again and again and again. And he will meet us there gently and humbly, inviting us back. Dane Ortland puts it this way. He says, we cannot present a reason for Christ to finally close off his heart to his own sheep. No such reason exists. Every human friend has a limit. If we offend enough, if a relationship gets damaged enough, if we betray enough times, we're cast out. The walls go up. But with Christ, our sins and weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him. Come to me. So today, if you've fallen again, relapsed again, walked away again, jumped back in that ditch again, you're just weary and heavy burdened. Open your heart to his invitation to come. Man, he wants to pull you back in and restore you because he is gentle and humble. I don't know what you've thought about God. My prayer for this Sunday has been that you would see in Jesus that we have a God who will meet you where you are, who can redeem any life, who is gentle and humble in heart. And lastly, he calls you by name. This was such a key point in Mary's story. And I think the chosen chose to make it a key point because Mary Magdalene is called by name 12 different times in the Gospels, which is more than most of the apostles. It was a testament that, man, Jesus knew her. He really knew her, and he knows you, and he sees you, and he's pursuing you. And listen, he's not going to leave you alone. You may not know why you showed up today or logged on today, but God knows. He is after your heart. He wants to meet with you today. He wants to redeem your life. He's going to be so gentle and humble with you as he leads you to freedom and gives you peace and forgives you and loves you and shows you grace and ultimately transforms your life from the inside out. Make no mistake, he knows your name. And he's calling you by name. Hear him today say to you, as it reaches through 2,000 years of history, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, that you know us so well. That you know our names, that you've collected our tears, that you've numbered the hairs on our heads. You know us. You knit us together. And God, you know everything about our stories, our lives, our victories, our failures. God, you know it. Thank you for showing us that you are the kind of God who will meet us right where we are. Thank you for the hope that every single one of us can have today that Jesus, you can redeem any life. And thank you, God, that we don't have to see you as distant and demanding, but no, you're gentle and humble. You're such a good shepherd. Thank you, God. And I pray today 
that each of us would hear you just call us by name and invite us into knowing you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.